voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. You know, I always say that this program is about turning your problems into solutions, your obstacles into opportunities, and making your dreams come true. And I was one of the first people on Voice America. Uh, their shows have been on about seven years, and I think I, I came on when they had maybe 20 shows, and now there are over 200 and 250. And it's very exciting to see the growth in Internet radio, and particularly positive radio, where we're really helping people make a difference in their lives, and that's what today is all about. So it's a specially pre-recorded program. You won't be calling in, but we'll give you all the contact information. Today we're talking about uh, a, really a subject that, most everybody has on their mind at one time or another, and that's relationship. We're talking about intimate relationships, the relationship um, with a significant other. And we're talking about why we choose who we choose, and when it's not working, and when we keep repeating patterns, why is that? And how can we repattern what we do so we can pick the right choices? My guest today is Dr. Craig Malkin, Ph.D., who's a licensed clinical psychologist who has taught and trained at Harvard. His research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in many peer-reviewed journals. He practices full-time and serves as president and director of his own successful therapy and consulting company. He will discuss today why we choose and stay in relationships that don't work and how we can change our patterns. Welcome, Dr. Craig Malkin. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Well, good. All right. First question is, you know, we hear it all the time. We hear people say, I'm in this relationship, and I love this person, but I'm not feeling good. Mm. Not or I feel like I'm taken advantage of, or I'm always the giver, mm. or sometimes I just feel like I'm always the taker. Something's wrong. Mm. And then a year later, we get back to that person, and they pick that same kind of person again. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, I think, a two-part answer to that question because the pattern that you're describing is a very common one I see in my practice of people staying in relationships that don't feel good. Uh, and it obviously causes a lot of distress. Um, the analogy I often use to try to explain to people what might keep them stuck in this way is something I call the dry well analogy. So you're in a bad relationship. It doesn't feel good. You feel distressed a lot of the time. You can think of a relationship like a well. Either it has enough water to sustain you or it doesn't. And if it's too painful, if it's too difficult to say, you know what, there's just not enough here for me, I need to move on, then you might make a trade and tell yourself, the problem is me. I'm going about it in the wrong way. If I just dance around the well a few times, if I just look deeper in, if I decorate it, if mm. you extend that metaphor to romance, that's about the work that people do. And if you're doing a lot of work to try to explain what you, you are doing and that makes you feel this way, then the one place you're not looking 
is the relationship. Yep. You yep. wind up trading disappointment for a sense of personal failing, right. telling yourself it's me. Okay. And yep. that can keep you stuck in lots of ways. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. All right, let me just interject here. Mm. Really, really what you're saying is that when we pick a relationship, mm. and when we keep, as you say, dancing around the well, mm. so I keep moving and I keep trying to change and I keep saying, well, if I only do this, or mm -hmm. maybe if I only do that, or if I don't say this, or if I act yeah. that way, and we keep trying to adapt, but it's not working, then we know something's wrong. That's right. And this is what I mean by training disappointment for a sense of failing. The one thing that you're not considering is maybe there's just not enough there for you. In other words, maybe the well is dry. And translating that directly into the language of romantic interaction, maybe this person can't give you enough of what you need. And no amount of you trying to work around it is going to get you what you need. You're going to be dying of thirst. All right, so that person could be... In some ways, it could be a narcissist, mm. somebody who just doesn't have it. And so when, um, I guess the question is, at what point do we finally make that decision? Is it when the pain is too great? Is it when we get sick? Uh, is it, uh, you know, when is it? Do you mean the decision to leave? Yeah, to leave, to, yeah. to just say this isn't working. Well, part of the, what I try to get at in the analogy is that when we are thinking in terms of I'm doing something wrong here, it makes it much harder to leave. One of the ways it mu makes it much harder to leave is, again, think about the trade. I'm not disappointed. There's just something wrong with me. That's going to batter your self-esteem. And there's a, there's a wealth of research supporting the fact that if you feel lower self-esteem, it can actually increase the intensity of your attachment. People who suffer from low self-esteem often fall in love more intensely and more quickly. And the same is true when you're immersed in a relationship. You can feel more dependent, less able to move on. Mm. So the first step is to just recognize maybe I'm disappointed here, and to try and change the terms, to try and ask for more. Whatever it is that's missing, sometimes for people it's feeling listened to. You mentioned narcissism. And these are people who either have an inflated sense of self or they lack empathy. But in any case, they're not particularly focused on you a lot of the time. So that's what's going to feel missing. So sometimes I refer to this as plumbing the depths of the well. If you want to change it, you have to recognize that there's something missing and say, when I'm talking and you don't listen, I just feel really neglected. I need to feel like you are taking in what I'm saying. You need to, other, in other words, test it out and see if the person can change. All right. Let me ask you, how much yeah. of this is chemical? How much of this is that mm. physical chemistry or biology, if you will? Well, it depends. It depends what you mean. I, once you are romantically involved with someone, there's no doubt that biology and chemistry is a big part of it. But that, in my mind, and what I've seen in working with people, is that it's once you're involved. People get very focused on the fact that they're physically attracted to one person or another, and I think that is 
set down fairly early in our lives, and there are some biological predispositions towards certain types and a range. But when it comes to the type of person that you pick, personalities like narcissists, I think that comes down much more to what we do. The problem with getting too focused on the biology is biology takes place, whether it's neurotransmitters like dopamine, these are the chemicals in the brain. And dopamine is associated with very intense feelings of euphoria. It's even associated with the effects of cocaine. It's released into the brain. It's present when people are falling in love and they're attracted. But if you get too focused on that, what you forget is romance is between two, sometimes more people, but it's an interaction. One person has to do something, and the other person has to do something in response. And that can get very complicated and we have yet to find any agent, any chemical in our body that can control and experience that complex. Greg, when your clients come to you mm. and they're stuck, yeah. what are some of the exercises that you help them to do to at least stand back and get a different perspective? That's a great question. What people need is a plan. The mistake everyone makes from time to time is telling themselves, well, I just I want to get out of this relationship that doesn't feel good. I just need to not call the person or I just need to try to fight these feelings and inevitably that doesn't work. One of my clients that I see once referred to some of the strategies I provide as bumper stickers, just little short sayings, and one of the sayings I use is skill power, not willpower. If you're trying to leave a bad relationship, you need a plan. You can't rely on the strength of your will, say, to not pick up the phone and call the person when you've decided not to. It's much, it's much better to have decided, okay, well, I'm gonna, I know that this time of night is a vulnerable time for me. That's an important part of it, is knowing when, where, where you're most vulnerable. I know this time of night is a bad time for me. I'm going to make plans to be with other people and doing other things. I'm going to be with my friends. I'm not going to be at home where I could call. This is just a, a common example. But maybe I won't bring my cell phone with me because I'm with the friends I want to be with anyway. And if you're busy doing something else, particularly something positive and something that engages you, and maybe you meet other people too, it's much easier not to engage in the behavior that pulls you back into the relationship. Kind of like purposefully not going in the bar when you know you want to have a drink. That's exactly right. A lot of my thinking, that's exactly right, a lot of my thinking is drawn from the research on what works in substance abuse. And I don't think that's a coincidence because there are powerful chemicals, powerful biology involved, and it, there's a lot of overlap with addictive patterns. With uh, and, and the thing is also that, mm. you know, something you said that's important is that when we say, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to think about it, I'm going to have self-control, I'm going to white-knuckle it, mm. it gets worse because you can't, you know, then that thinking keeps coming. You can't force that thinking out. No, that's right. It, 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 it intensifies. Mm. Mm. 
it's it's that saying it's impossible not to think of an elephant if you're putting you're absolutely right if you're putting all your energy into trying not to think something or not do something it doesn't really give you any strength it doesn't really give you the traction you need to move in a different direction all right, what we're going to do is take a break. Uh, we have a, uh, a little bit of time for you to tell us how people can find you or um, ask you questions or your website. Well, my website is www.drcraigmalkin.com. I have some information on there about where I'm located. Are you interested in knowing exactly where I'm located? Well, that's fine. I know you're in the, in the Boston area. Mm, and, I, and my, my practice is in Harvard Square. Uh, it's a short distance from the T-stop, mm-hmm. and my phone number and all my other contact information is also on the website if anybody wants to follow up, and they can even read a little bit about me on there. Sure, and you're also writing a book. I am. I'm in the process of writing a book about these very subjects, these very themes. Uh, the, the question of what are the ways that we can control feelings of attraction what determines attractions, the kind of people we're attracted to, to what extent biology plays a role, and how does our understanding of that change what we might do to change our feelings of attraction. Okay. My guest is Craig Malkin, Ph.D., licensed psychology, who was taught and trained at Harvard. His research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in peer reviews and journals. And we're talking today about why we choose and stay in relationships that don't work and how we can change our patterns to be happy and fulfilling in our relationships. And you're listening to a specially pre-recorded version of Positive Living. This show will air uh, next Monday, which will be March 16th, between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and between 11 and noon Pacific. And the shows will be archived on my site, patriciaraskin.com, and on voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Real Talk with Marcy Mason, a refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. 
Want pure inspiration and great ideas for action? Want to become successful beyond your hopes and dreams? Then tune in to Millionaire Mentor with best-selling author, one of the world's leading women entrepreneurs, and host, Luann Mitchell-Halter. Luann and her guests, all masters of global inspiration, share their secrets to manifesting and positive daily mental exercise principles. From how to get affordable health care to billionaire mentality and bankrupt no more imagery, Millionaire Mentor dares you to live the life you love and love Love the life you live. Millionaire Mentor with Luann Mitchell Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Millionaire Mentor, achieve your greatest heights. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in, but we'll give you all the contact information. We are talking about relationships, intimate relationships, relationships with our significant others. We're talking about why we choose and stay in relationships that don't work, and how we can change our patterns to find happy and fulfilling relationships. My guest is Dr. Craig Malkin, Ph.D., who is a licensed psychologist who taught and trained at Harvard. His research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in many peer review journals, and he practices full-time and serves as president and director of his own successful therapy and consulting company, YM Psychotherapy and Consultation, Inc., and he, um, in the past, he has served as chief psychologist on the inpatient unit of a Harvard Medical School-affiliated hospital, Cambridge Hospital, where he consulted on difficult cases and supervised psychologists and psychiatrists learning more to provide inpatient and outpatient therapy. And then after leaving that position, he expanded his practice, and he remained on the faculty of Harvard Medical School as an instructor and supervisor until 2006. And so he is, really has an awful lot of experience. Welcome back, Dr. Malkin. Thank you. It's good to be back. All right. We were talking about, you know, why we choose relationships and mm. how we get stuck in them and how if we keep trying to pull away consciously, as you said, it's like saying, I'm not going to think about an elephant and then the elephant appears. Mm-hmm. So um, I think what I want to talk about next is the whole patterning thing because we'll find ourselves, and I know I have, in... You know, you choose somebody, it's over. But then you choose somebody else, and you're saying, wait a minute, this reminds me of what happened the last time. So what are some things that you could help people do? Let's say they're not in a relationship right now. I don't know if anybody can hear me, but I just got cut off. Oh, okay. Um, I'm back. I can hear now. Good, okay. (laughs) Okay. All right, um, Craig. Randy is our engineer who I was talking to. All right, Craig, so what I'm saying is let's say that you're not in a relationship right now, that you've just ended one, or you Mm -hmm. ended one a year or two ago, and you haven't found the right one, but you know you're susceptible to that kind of relationship again. What could you do to practice? What are some strategies? That's a great question. 
first you have to know the pattern, and it's likely if you've struggled with being attracted to certain types and falling into certain relationships, you already know what the pattern is. So let me give you an example of a common pattern I see. One pattern I've seen a number of times in my practice is one in which either a man or a woman, and it happens to both genders, tends to fall into relationships with people who take up a lot of room. You talked about narcissism earlier, narcissists. They tend to fall into relationships with people where they don't really feel like they can express themselves, their needs, their feelings. And on their side of it, on the person who's struggling with this, they feel like there's just not a whole lot of room for them. One person I worked with who struggled with this came from a a family where their sibling had a lot of difficulties, and there was a lot of focus on her. And as you can imagine, the family organizes in a way where people have to rein themselves in a little bit, and this carried over into this person's relationships. And her struggle, once she figured out that this was the pattern and had ended a relationship, was how do I not do this again, the question that you're asking. And what we came up with was one of these bumper stickers, one of these sayings that she could carry with her, try taking up more room and see who I attract. Mm-hmm. Meaning, meaning give more to myself, be more mm-hmm. self-nurturing? Try from the start, early on in the attraction process. The way the pat- patterns we're talking about, you asked about biology earlier. Biology can definitely influence who we're attracted to, what they look like, that whole range definitely influences whether we're attracted to men or women. It doesn't influence the type of person. What influences that is what we do. So if you start out early on in the attraction stage interacting with someone where you're reining yourself in, you don't seem to share much, you're much more likely to pair up with somebody who is attracted to someone who doesn't take up much room, and who's that? Who's that going to be? It's going to be somebody who needs to, who, who, excuse me, you're going to be much more attracted to somebody who takes up a lot of room, and that's going to be someone who's narcissistic. That's going to be someone who doesn't seem all that interested in what your inner life is. Okay, Craig, hold hold on a second. Mm. There's an issue here. Mm. Let's say, if for your for your words, you don't take up a lot of room, so mm. that means you defer to the other person. Mm. You know how to nurture. Okay. And you're attracted to that larger-than-life kind of narcissistic person because they're larger-than-life, because they're charismatic, because they, you know, they, they, they're exciting. Absolutely. So here's the question. Mm. So now you start taking up more room. You're expanding, and you're becoming a little larger-than-life. Are you going to attract somebody who doesn't take up much room, who doesn't have the charisma, who doesn't, you know, isn't exciting, and can you find that in someone who's not a narcissist and takes up a lot of room? That's a terrific question because of what, what it gets at is two things, range or flexibility in these behaviors and mutuality. By range or flexibility, I mean there's nothing wrong with being able to be tuned in or giving or even uh, leave more room for somebody else. It's just when it becomes reflexive. It's when it's the go-to response. There's nothing wrong with taking up more room. We all need to have what's called a healthy sense of entitlement. 
and without that, you can struggle with low self-esteem and people can run over you. The problem is if it becomes the mode of operation. So as long as you are adding something, you may, for example, this woman was given to this pattern where she didn't express much of her own needs. She didn't ask for things. All we're talking about is adding something more. We're not talking about switching over to, I'm just going to express my needs all the time. We're talking about trying to connect by also sharing a little bit of what's going on with you or maybe asking for things once in a while. And that's a, that's a matter of balance. It's a matter of flexibility. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, though, when you do that and you start speaking up, the other person, let's say it's the narcissist, may say, well, you're getting demanding. Well, you're sounding like this. Yeah. Or, see, you, 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 then you get into the, um, I don't know what you call it, the battle of the words. Yeah. Or the sparring. Yeah, and that's where, as I said before, you have to have a plan. And one of the things that you have to keep in mind is if you have had this pattern and say you started the relationship by not asking for much and that was one of the things that attracted this person to you, as soon as you start asking for more, you've changed the terms. And sometimes people are resilient, and they can go with that, and you can deepen the relationship into something more mutual. But if someone truly is very focused on themselves, they may well reject you for trying to change the terms. And so it's important to be able to do what I call assessing the response, evaluating the response, Ask yourself if this is a way of interacting that you accept. What do you accept and reject? Let's talk about something else here um, Mm. that I think can be very addictive and and talking about, you know, addiction, feeling like you need more of it. And I think it's a very tough pattern to break, and I know that, you know, it's been expressed by many people. It's that pattern we looked at it with Pavlov's dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the dogs who go back the most for the food are the ones that get the intermittent reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about where you get it, then you don't. Mm -hmm. I love you, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Terrific, but you're really not. I can't see you, oh, but I will. And and, and you you know that you're going to hit it sometimes, and you know that you will always hit it sometimes, and you know the other times you won't. And it will be rejection. Howdy, that's a tough one. It is very tough, and I'm glad you brought it up because it is another one of those patterns that I commonly see. It's, I call it the slot machine effect. Yes. It's, it's because it is based on a gambling schedule. That's the technical term for these behavioral patterns, um, a schedule, an intermittent schedule or random intermittent schedule of reinforcement and the the problem is, if you're in this situation where, for example, I referred to the dry well analogy, explaining it in terms of yourself, and there's something I'm doing, and maybe next time there'll be the payoff, you're engaged in a kind of magical thinking like the gambler at the slot machine. The only way to get more is you've got to ask for it. You can't ask a slot machine for more. But this is where you have to come out and share the problem share responsibility for it by saying the problem is the inconsistency. Nobody is ever going to complain about the payoff. It's the back and forth that's so hard for me. 
It's the back and forth that leaves me feeling shaky and insecure. Is there anything we can do about that? And it has to involve the other person. And maybe they can do it and maybe they can't. But if you learn to do that, you can also bring it to other relationships. All right, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about addictive relationships. We're going to talk about common problems that uh, Craig Malkin sees and people struggling with relationships and how his research has affected the way he thinks about helping other people. Okay, Craig, before we uh, move on to break, again, tell people how they can find you. I am located in Harvard Square. Uh, my web address is www.drcraigmalkin.com. That's D-R-C-R-A-I-G-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. And my contact information is on the website. You can even read a little bit about me. I'm just a short distance from the red line on the T. And this is Boston, near Boston, Massachusetts, for those people who are in other parts of the country. Thank you. Okay. All right. And, yes, he's also writing a book, and he has um, some different things about his work on the website, so do take a look at that. My guest today is Dr. Craig Malkin, and we're, we're having a great discussion here because we're really talking about what, uh, what we can do to help make our relationships more productive. Mm. Craig Malkin is a licensed clinical psychologist who was taught and trained at Harvard, and he has his own company. He's president and director of YM Psychotherapy and Consultation, and he's a full-time psychotherapist. And today, again, we're talking about how we, uh, you know, how we get stuck in relationships and how can we change our patterns to be more happy and fulfilled. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Remember, folks, contact me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I'd love to hear from you. I have a newsletter and a blog, and I'd certainly love to have you sign up for my newsletter. And you can write to me. And my guest today is Dr. Craig Malkin, and you can write to him at craigmalkin.com. Is that right? Or is it? It's drcraigmalkin.com. That's right. That's correct. Okay. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. We all know that somebody. They are always in a great mood, always smiling, always getting exactly what they want. What if that somebody could be you? Let Andrea with an I help you find your personal bliss every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Explore the endless possibilities of using the law of attraction through faith, trust, and support. Tune in Wednesdays to Ask Andrea, the law of attraction in action on the Voice America channel. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. 
And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are back. You are listening to Positive Living. And I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in, but you certainly can contact my guest, and we'll give you that information. Remember, this program is all about turning your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and making your dreams come true, and that's exactly what we're doing. And we're talking about relationships today intimate relationships, relationships with our significant others, why we choose to stay in relationships that don't work, and how we can change our patterns to find happy and fulfilling relationships. My guest today is Dr. Craig Malkin, Ph.D., who's a clinical psychologist who's trained and taught at Harvard. His research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in peer-reviewed journals, and he works full-time and serves as president and director of his own successful therapy and consulting company, YM Psychotherapy and Consultation, Inc., Welcome back, Craig. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about what's the most common problem that comes across your desk and sits in front of you or on the phone. What do you hear over and over and over? It's actually the one that we started with. In fact, one of the most common problems people come come in to therapy for is depression. And very often people are stuck in bad relationships and blaming themselves for it. This is back to that dry well analogy. The problem is me, because they don't feel comfortable or they're scared or it's too painful to acknowledge there isn't enough there. You can imagine that that kind of chronic self-blame can become pretty depressing. And after a time, they might come into me and say, I just feel terrible a lot of the time and nothing feels right. And then I start digging and I start looking and I see that in their interactions there's something that's actually quite depressing going on. It's there's some huge lack in their life in a relationship, and they have yet to recognize that they need to come out and ask for something, and instead they're depressed. They're not angry. They're not disappointed. They're depressed. So I need to help them think about what it is they might say and even be clear about what it is that's missing because a lot of times people aren't. And uh, how successful are you in working with people? Does it depend upon how much they want to change? Does it depend upon, I mean, what do you, what do you find with your success rate, even in terms of the research you've done? Well, my research was on outcomes in a classroom, that is how much people were changing in the course of a women's or gender studies class on sp- measures such as self-esteem, confidence, and all of those measures people changed. That's been shown again and again in the research. What I was most interested in is why they changed. And I've actually applied some of what I learned from all of that to my practice. When I was immersed in that research, what came out again and again, this is part of the literature, part of the research, is that 
relationship between a therapist and a client is associated with just about every important measure of change, positive outcome in therapy. And this is what I applied to the classroom. I was interested in, well, what about relationships between teachers and students and between students? And it turned out to be the same. So what you're saying is the relationship is very important. Absolutely. This is why one of, here's one of my bumper stickers. We need a lot of help becoming who we are. We need a lot of help to stay who we are. So... Find the right therapist who, who, who clicks with you. Say again? You have to find the right therapist who clicks with you. Oh, that's absolutely right. There, there has to be a good relationship. Otherwise, it really doesn't go anywhere. You have to feel comfortable. You have to feel like this person is working towards, towards shared goals, and you both understand how you're getting there. And there's some, there's some clear understanding of the methods that you're using to get there. And I find that if I'm focused on that and I actively talk to people about what we're working towards, sometimes in the first meeting I'll say, does this feel like we're continuing to head in a helpful direction? I want, to be, I want that to be an ongoing process. And as to your question about success, I've seen a lot of success in helping people change their patterns of attraction by focusing on what they're doing. And the best evidence I have for that and what feels great is when I hear back from people and they say, oh, I'm getting married, and they send me an email or they check in or maybe they even come back in to tell me this. And that, to me, I feel so good for them on their behalf, and it feels so great to be a part of that. And that's where I'm really seeing that by applying these ways of thinking, that is being very clear about what you do and what you say with people, what that invites closer to you so that attraction can deepen and develop. If you change that, you can also change the pattern early on. And you can even change it in the middle if you have a, if you have a, a strong enough plan. I think one of the things that I think gets in the way, and, you know, you alluded to this when you said, you know, you have to speak up and you have to say, look, mm-hmm. that's my feelings or I'm not getting my needs met. To me, a lot of the reason that we don't do that in relationship is we're afraid the person's going to reject us. That's exactly. On some people level, we're afraid that person's going to say, you don't like it, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you that, think? No, that's exactly right, but that's, that's also one of the things that I try to capture in this whole idea of the drywall. You want to know that there's not enough there, and translating that into concrete language means you want to ask for something clearly enough to find out whether a person can give it to you. And that does risk hearing no, but it's much, it's much better for you to hit that head on than to find ways to go around it. Um, and it also frees you up for something else. All right. Now, that was another question. I've heard this said, that when you're stuck with someone, Let's say you're stuck in a relationship. You know it's not good. You know you need to get out. Whether you're married or you're not married or, or it's even an occasional thing, but you're stuck in your head. I've had people say this. Until you get unstuck, you will not find someone else. Mm. However, though, however, though, Craig, don't you have to start loosening that? I mean, because if you, if you believe that, then you'll stay stuck as well. I absolutely believe that. This is, again, it's similar to this idea of not tr- trying not to think of something or trying not to do something isn't what's going to help you. It's, it's about trying to come up with a plan, trying to do something different. If you're stuck in your head 
and you're feeling like you're not moving in a relationship and it's sort of bogging you down, then you want a very clear idea of, again, what's missing and how to try to express that you're missing something and ask for it in other relationships. And even if you're not getting it in the one where you're feeling stuck, then there's a chance. This is what really stuck with me in the research. If you invite someone different, if if you, by what you say and what you do, are able to draw yourself into a relationship or someone's attracted who offers something different, that can really help you change. Even if you're already trying to get out of a bad relationship, it's a different experience. And you're seeing the difference. You're seeing something that really works. You're seeing something positive. You're seeing that payoff, not a random one, not a, not a slot machine. It's you are trying something different, whether it's saying that you feel upset, whether it's uh, asking for more, whether it's actually trying to not always feel like you have to be on the ball, you're not like you always have to be the one who figures things out, whatever it is. If the relationship can be based on something else, then through that positive experience, it consolidates your change. Yeah, because you're actually seeing results. All right, again, um, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about um, Internet and relationships. Mm. We're going to talk about uh, some of the other things we can do to make some changes so that we can change our attraction. Okay, and my guest today is Dr. Craig Malkin, and he is a clinical psychologist who is taught and trained at Harvard. His research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in many, many peer reviews. Also, um, in the past, he has served as chief psychologist on the inpatient unit of a Harvard Medical School-affiliated hospital, Cambridge Hospital, where he consulted on difficult cases and supervised psychologists and psychiatrists learning to provide inpatient and outpatient therapy. After leading this position to expand his private practice in Harvard Square in 2003, Dr. Malcolm remained on the faculty of Harvard Medical School as an instructor, supervisor, and consultant until 2006. And now he has his own successful therapy and consulting company called YM Psychotherapy and Consultation, Inc. And so you can write to him at drcraigmalkin.com. And folks, you're listening to Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin, and remember, you can write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'd love to hear your positive stories. We're hearing that there isn't enough positive news, and people are crying out, actually, with Brian Williams said this on Channel 10 NBC, that he was getting an outcry for positive news. So I'd love to hear your stories. Please write to me at Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Sign up for my newsletter at PatriciaRaskin.com. I would love to hear from you. I have more than one radio program. My shows are archived on my uh, my website, and also the shows are archived on Voice America's website. So take a look at that. And when we come back, we're going to talk more to Dr. Craig Malkin. This is especially pre-recorded program, so you won't be calling in, but we have lots of great information. And if you want to improve your relationship or you, or you feel stuck, this is the right program for you. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, this is a program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Ask 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. All Things Music with composer and songwriter Tara Tucker brings to the Voice America channel music genres not typically heard on your FM radio dial. World music, folk, indie, classical, religious, early medieval. What you won't hear is top 40, rap, or rock, or celebrity news from the streets, or the tabloids of Hollywood. Each week, Tara will showcase a different musical style, the musicians who perform it, the history behind it, and she promises to broaden your musical horizons. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific to All Things Music with Tara Tucker on the Voice America channel. Attention swimmers, get out of the water. Everybody, out of the water immediately. Dude, is that? It's a pair of thunder thighs. Big ones, too. That mom who's been swimming a lot with her kids must have lost them. Whoa. I heard about this happening once up at Laguna. Small step number 54. Play with your kids. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. back again. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and make your dreams come true. It's always such an honor and pleasure to be with you. You know, I always say, you're helping make my dream come true by, by, you know, me interviewing these amazing people. But by the same token, I'm helping you make your dream come true because I am sharing with you these amazing guests that I find through the airways. I'm the bumblebee. I pollinate through the airways, and I bring you the honey. And the good things, and, and that's what it's all about, folks, because we can have the life that we want. We may have to make some changes and some adaptations, but we can do it when we, write, when we have the right skill set. And that's what we're talking about today. Today is a specially pre-recorded program for you, so you won't be calling in, but we will get you the contact information. My guest is Dr. Craig Malkin. He's a Ph.D. and a licensed clinical psychologist. We're talking about why we choose and stay in relationships that don't work and why we get attracted, and how we can change our patterns to find healthy and, faci- healthy and happy and fulfilling relationships. Dr. Malkin, who has taught and trained at Harvard, his research on the role of relationships and psychological growth in the classroom has been published in many peer reviews. He practices full-time and serves as president and director of his own successful therapy and consulting company called YM Psychotherapy and Consultation, Inc. You can log on to Dr. Craig Malkin, M-A-L-K-I-N.com. Welcome back, Craig. Thank you. Okay, why um, why do we get attracted? Is there something behind that that, that chemical that attraction? Mm. There absolutely is. 
I think there's plenty of evidence, again, that some of attraction is biological predisposition, that is, whether attracted to men or women, and certainly the type, physical type that we're attracted to, even though there might be a wide range, is an admixture of biology and early experience and just the people we're around. So the biology is important, but the part that I feel matters most is what we do. And I often tell people a story to illustrate this about my wife, Jennifer, traveling in Asia, in Nepal. She was traveling in the mountains, and she was hiking further and further in. And you just imagine being in the mountains of Nepal. Picture it. This is pretty romantic, right? She's traveling along. She's hiking. And she runs into a tall blonde Swede. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and notices immediately, wow, this guy's attractive. And he asks her, can I par- carry your backpack for you? Well, crowds in Asia can be really tough if anybody's been to Asia. I don't know this it, uh, myself, but she's told me the crowds can be really tough, and she just wanted to be alone. So he asked her, can I carry it? She said, no. Mm-hmm. So much for that romance. Then she's yeah. traveling a little bit further. She hikes a little bit further, and along comes an American. And he asks the same. <laughs> Go ahead. This is handsome. <laughs> Who's also handsome. <laughs> but she doesn't feel quite the same attraction she did to the, the Swede. Yeah. And he asks the same question. Can I help you carry it? She says, no. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to help you carry it. You must be tired. No, no. And then the third time he says, come on, let me help you carry your backpack. And she finally says yes because she, as she tells it, kind of nice to have the company at this point. He was attractive, and and the help was certainly welcome. So they wound up traveling together, and she had a little romance in Nepal. Now, the reason I love to tell that story is she was more attracted to the Swede. She noticed she was more attracted to him, but that's not who she ended up with. She ended up with the American. And if you try to look to biology, if you try to look to the physical type to explain who she ended up with, you're going to run into a dead end. The only way to explain why she ended up who she ended up with is by looking at the actions between two people. One man persisted, the other didn't. And that's why she ended up with traveling with the person she traveled with. So what does that tell us? What's the message there about relationship? Mm. That you have to think about what actions you say, take, what you say and do. So her actions were consistent with what she was feeling. She wasn't all that interested in company. So she said no even though at the time, even though she was attracted to the Swedish traveler. She said yes to the second man in his persistence because she started to think about the fact that she might want company. And he kept trying because he wanted to be helpful to somebody who really wasn't accepting help anyway. Maybe he was also strongly attracted. But what he learned in that interaction was, boy, she doesn't seem to need a whole lot of help. She's not accepting this right away. And maybe that actually attracts him more. It's just a story. It's just speculation. But maybe that's one of the things that sort of appealed to him. 
because that's how they met. That's how it all started. And if suddenly down the line she is being more open about wanting help or asking for things, that's a change. Maybe that's not as appealing to him. But it's also, if you look at her, and you can tell me if I'm right since she's your wife, Mm. um, you know, that had the Swede persisted, she would have been there, but she wants somebody to pursue her. At the time, they needed to get through the barrier that was created by her having a competing need. You know, she might have had a need uh, to be with somebody and to have a romance in Nepal, but she also had a need to be alone. Mm-hmm. And with the Swede, the need to be alone was ascendant. And it took somebody to come along who maybe was fine with being rebuffed twice. I mean, <laughs> you know, got to get through that, too, um, for her to find the companionship. All right. Well, Craig, we're coming to um, we're coming to the end of the program, and I want you to kind of share what what's your bottom line here. If somebody's listening and they're saying, "I'm stuck" or "I'm really having trouble," what do you say to them about giving them some skills and empowerment mm. to help them in relationships so that they can move forward? I say, don't despair. Don't fall into despair and think this is something that's just happening to you. Don't get caught up too much in these ideas of, wow, this attraction is just so powerful. It's just coming from within me. I don't know if there's anything I can do. Ask yourself questions. Here's, here's something that's very empowering and a skill I, I always teach people. Ask yourself, why is this person picking me? Why are they attracted to me? What might I be saying or doing if the pattern is somebody who's given to anger, if it's somebody who takes up a lot of room, who's tends to be a lot very focused on themselves. Ask yourself what they're looking for and why they might be attracted to me if this is a pattern. And the reason that's so helpful is if you can answer that question, you can change what you're doing. And a big part of attraction, the mutuality, is once we've attracted someone, our feelings of attraction develop. The closer we're with them, the more we interact. If they are attracted to us for reasons that we aren't necessarily tuned into, Maybe they're not the ones we want someone to be attracted to us for. And then we're in a burgeoning romance before we know it, again, with the wrong person. So it helps just to ask, what about this other person? What kind of things are they attracted to? What What am I doing? What is my behavior that's Mm, them? Yes. What are my actions? Am I... you know, when do I say yes? When do I say no? Am I asking for a lot? Am I asking for a little? And also, what am I doing that's not attracting them or that pushes them away? That's exactly right. That's one, something that we didn't talk quite as much about. But if you think about somebody who, for example, is looking for a kind of mutuality, just taking the example of somebody who doesn't seem to need a whole lot, they're fiercely independent, they can handle things on their own. Somebody who's looking for something a little more mutual, not somebody who doesn't need anything, but they also like to give a little bit. If this is a if if this is a a man who is attracted to a woman and he's looking to feel like he has something to offer and something feels missing to him, obviously this is somebody who wants to give. It's not somebody who's very very selfish. He might be turned away because he'll feel in a way rejected or he'll feel like something isn't there. And All right. So. So we have one minute to close. Mm, Your closing sentence would be? 
my closing sentence would be... Yes. Try to be clear about what you're saying and doing with people. If you're trying to change your patterns of attraction, if you're trying to change things from the start, think about the actions that you are taking when you're interacting with a romantic partner or anybody else and how that might cut you off from certain experiences and how it might draw to you other experiences that you're actually trying to leave behind. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Malkin. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yes. Stay on the line. My guest has been Craig Malkin, Ph.D., a licensed psychologist who's taught and trained at Harvard, and we've been talking about relationships. You can log on to drcraigmalkin.com. And, folks, I hope you've enjoyed today. Um, you've listened to a specially pre-recorded segment of Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, as I always say at the end of each program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. And log on to Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Until next time for Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great Monday and a great week. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com and tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.